Welcome to Illegal Double Team. We are Jonathan and Christina Snowden, and we love professional wrestling. Welcome back, Jonathan. Yes, we're alive. <laughs> if anyone was worried, if you don't follow us on uh, Twitter.com, we, we are indeed here and present and still loving professional wrestling, just not finding the time to podcast as we should. I mean, I should point out that mostly it's you. It is me. I take the, <laughs> the full brunt of the blame, and I, I get a lot of it uh, not only online from some of our listeners, but from you pretty much daily. <laughs> You're shooting me dirty looks even as we speak. We we have we prepared two additional shows that we never got around to recording before we took off our full gear. Part of it is just the, the age, the aging process, and the fact that uh, sometimes you just want to go to bed. <laughs> I mean, really, those are the options, right, when we record this podcast. It's true. It's either... We have to wait for the kids to go to bed. And as so. they get older, now it's like 10 o'clock or yeah. whatever, and here we are. And, and at my age, 10 o'clock might as well be like <laughs> 3 o'clock in the morning, but I'm here anyway, uh, out of my devotion to the sport of professional wrestling. So uh, as you kind of alluded to, this is going to be one of our road trip reports. That's because true. This is uh, post-AEW full gear pay-per-view. Yes, so we have kept the streak alive. Every single pay-per-view that AEW has had in the short history of the promotion the Snowden family has been there live and in person, and uh, it was fun, don't you think? Oh, yeah. Still very fun. I'm still ready to to commit to doing uh, any future ones, minus this, like, Jericho on a ship AEW, whatever that is. I'm not getting on any boat. No, we're not taking a cruise <laughs> with a bunch of wrestling fans slash wrestlers. Um, hard pass. But we'll watch it on television should it happen. So For sure, for sure. But, uh, yeah, I thought it was a really good trip. I think travel-wise, it was probably the easiest trip that we've had yet. Um, the boys are just frequent flyers now. I mean, they don't seem to have any questions about any of, of what of what we do. It's just you show up at the airport, which they love. You go through security, which, like, they'll give you a lot of funny looks and stuff, but they'll do everything they tell them to do. And uh, then you take a plane. And with a short trip like this... I mean, it's absolutely perfect because it's like basically take off, which they really enjoy, snack, which they really enjoy, <laughs> and then the landing, which they love. So it, this one was a really easy flight. Yeah, it was a, a big hit. And for us, this was kind of like a homecoming because we've uh, lived for several years in Washington, D.C. and spent time in Baltimore uh, within that region with the Army. And so it's... Uh, yeah, it, it was kind of fun. It, it was. It felt very comfortable. Yeah, it did. It was really hard uh, to believe that, you know, it's been like 12 years or something since we've really spent time there. Um, it didn't feel like that at all. Uh, of course, that's partly just because Baltimore and Washington, D.C. are so kind of old and iconic that nothing really changes that dramatically. Um, but, yeah, so um, our young, our oldest was born in that area we have lots and lots of pictures of him at all the monuments and the white house and the national zoo and the aquarium up in baltimore and uh you know we got to relive a few of those things on this trip and then this was the first time our youngest has ever been in the area yeah so we we really enjoyed it so downtown baltimore is is nice and it was comfortable and, and the hotel we stayed at was uh, walking distance from both like some cool things like the aquarium that we went out to do in the morning, but also to the arena, more importantly. Very nice. So, uh, you know, if you can make that happen for yourself when you go to one of these events, if you travel to a show, if you can, if you can arrange it 
so that you can walk over to the arena. It it really uh, increases like the the fun of oh, the yeah. experience exponentially because it it completely eliminates all the stress of looking for parking and finding the garage and is this the right garage right. and how much is this going to cost or the Uber after the show. Oh my god, or waiting for yes. an hour and a half for an Uber after the show, which is kind of like you know you gotta you have to count on that. Mm-hmm. Plus, you're going to get the the peak rate the peak rate fares. <laughs> so like you know, there's a million problems that that happen when you go to these events you eliminate uh, 75% of them easily if you can walk there oh yeah i mean i think we probably maybe paid a premium of 25 to 30 extra dollars uh to to be in this location within walking distance and i mean it it's worth it like i'm yeah, save, I pay a lot more that, than that, to be honest. You save that not having to take the Uber to the or arena park in a or garage. park. Yeah, so I mean, it, it and and it's a, so then you're you end up in a fairly nice downtown hotel too, and so yeah, it was a, a big win. I thought. Yeah, I would recommend going ahead and paying that premium to be within walking distance of of an arena or stadium if you have that opportunity. I mean, I know we're going to do that every chance that we have. So I will say that this was like fairly distinct because we have been to every other AEW pay-per-view show. Um, this one definitely felt different. And part of that is, I think, because AEW has gone to, to weekly television and, you know, fans can't come to every AEW show. Right. So the, the previous shows we've been to have been mostly populated, I think, by AEW super fans. Yeah, diehards. Yeah, people who traveled to Double or Nothing. They right. traveled to All Out. Yes. And, and, and I mean, um, to, the, to the extent that the planes that we have been on have been filled with, with fans. wrestling fans yeah. yeah to these other events and then also like say fighter fest so they the people weren't gathered there specifically for AEW but it was a a, a venue that was packed with like-minded people right you know they were there for a video game um, I don't know what do you call it festival <laughs> gaming experience I don't know what the nomenclature is. Video <laughs> game people were there to play video games or whatever they do. And also they had a wrestling match. So um, this was different though. Because yeah. I think the, the crowd here, based on our experience, and we, we kind of like listen carefully to the people in our sections. Yes. Because uh, we're nosy weirdos. Right. And um, I'll talk to anybody. Yeah. Christina's a talker and people like talking to her. <laughs> and so um, this, this was just local Baltimore Baltimoreans. Yeah, we were mostly surrounded by people who were just right from the area, which was definitely different than all the other shows that we've been to. Um, also surrounded by people who, you know, they were really, really new fans. Like, not new wrestling fans, but but very new AEW fans. Yeah, so I think you get, like, uh, when, when, like, Cody Rhodes uh, talked to me about the returners mm-hmm. and, and then started using that in all his media appearances, so it's, like, became a thing. Um, I... I, a lot of people scoff, like the the sophisticated online fans, about that that idea. I think, but uh, we experienced it live and in person. I oh, mean, yeah. a lot of the people around us were previous wrestling fans who were, I think, were curious about what mm-hmm. this was about. And and I, for the most part, from you know, I don't want to overstate it, but based on the people around us, they seem to enjoy themselves. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. That was definitely the same as as the past uh, shows. Is that everyone was very engaged and very enthusiastic uh, the whole show, but yeah, we did notice that um, you know crowd volume was not the same that it's been in, in all the other places that we've been, and whether that was a result of um, more casual you know, fans being there. Or whether it had something to do with the actual arena, um, that was not a particularly great setup uh, for wrestling in in terms of like 
everybody starts so far back, you know, from from the stage and from the ring uh, that it looks really, really spread out. Yeah, there may have been acoustic problems with the with the arena because we did notice um, being like complete obsessives. Uh, we watched it live and in person, and then the, the next uh, night, uh, one of us having perhaps quasi-legally downloaded the show, uh, watched it again, the, the television version, and, and it, it, it was even quieter on television. Right, yeah. Like the crowd in places where it was legitimately loud we in got the a lot of, Yeah, we got a lot of questions on Twitter about whether or not we thought the crowd there was dead. And having just been live, we were like, what are you talking about? Like, no, I mean, the... The, you know, the crowd was loud and engaged. I, I won't say for the whole show, but for all the parts that you would expect them to be, uh, you know, loud. They were during... politely engaged with everything. Right. But they were legitimately enthusiastic about stuff like Cody's entrance and right. Jericho and, when, and yeah, stuff. Yeah, when I watched that. And then you then watch it on TV, it's, mm. it didn't come across that Not way. at all, especially the Cody entrance. It's like, I mean, he's standing in the ring, just you can see him just kind of appreciating it, soaking it in. Uh, but it doesn't really come across like you don't you cannot hear on television like how loud um, that arena was. And so, yeah, I mean, it it, you know, almost looks kind of funny that he's, you know, spending so much time sort of soaking it in. But having been there live, I can tell you, like, yes, the, the arena was very loud. Everyone was on their feet uh, for Cody's entrance. Did you have anything uh, additional that you wanted to say about the general experience of attending uh, Full Gear, or do you want to jump into the top five? Um, no, we can jump into the top five. That's fine. All right. So if you've never heard our podcast, every single week or every month or every couple of months, whenever we do it, we pick five things that we love about professional wrestling during that time frame. And in here, it'll be mostly focused on Full Gear because that was the... the and the fallout. And the fallout. So uh, these are the five things we love the most about full gear five four three two one fire all right number five um and this is a this was happened during full gear but it's been going on for a little longer now and it is whatever is going on with brandy and awesome kong yeah i i love this and I don't know where it's going. I'm going to say that knows? right now. I yeah. don't know where it's going. And that's always a good a good sure. feeling, too, until someone screws it up. <laughs> right now, AEW has my trust, so yes. I, I'm not I'm convinced they're going to screw it up. Yes, but the, so, pay, they, the payoff has always been there with yeah, AEW they, they so deliver. Far. And so th- this was cool. It started with a, a really kind of like avant-garde video with a Brandy perhaps casting some kind of dark magic spells, and um, she's drinking wine and looking really evil and wearing a... <laughs> a red dress and you know just generally um not baby face brandy and uh you know she's seems to have some sort of control over this awesome monster awesome kong yes and so um they took it up a notch from the video which i thought was really cool it was Mm -hmm. different than your typical wrestling package made some people uncomfortable with not being just the same old thing but i i really enjoyed it uh but they took it up a notch uh, live and in person when they came out uh, with the intention of cutting hair. Yeah, yeah. So um, they cut a second promo um, that had to do with uh, not being bullied, basically. Like, who's the bully now? <laughs> and then they have begun a, kind of a reign of terror coming out and attacking um, first B Priestley and then here. Uh, and then on AEW was, on Dynamite, it was Allie. Yes. 
Um, yeah, so attacking them post-match or even not in a match. And once Awesome Kong uh, delivers the beatdown, um, then, you know, Brandy takes their hair and uh, either her or Awesome Kong takes a blade and, and takes a chunk of hair with them. Yeah, they're taking scalps. And I don't know if that's going to power some kind of dark magic I don't spell. Know. I We really don't know, but she's definitely putting out witch vibes uh, with a W. Right. Uh, maybe the other one too, but um, <laughs> definitely a witch vibe. And 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 this is really cool because I think right now AEW has the tool the the tools to put together a, a cool women's division. Uh, it just hasn't really happened yet. And part of it is because I think there's a lot of very similar talents there, like mm-hmm. you know, kind of like oh, we like this nice baby face, right. you know. And, and uh, this is very different. And so I think sometimes that that's good. You need you need something for those baby faces to play off of. And there hasn't been a really super convincing heel. And I think Awesome Kong could be that character. And then uh, Brandy has developed into uh, someone with a really good on-camera presence. Right. And so I think she's a great spokesperson slash manager slash uh, I don't know what she is. <laughs> um, but sorcerer, sorceress. <laughs> uh, but uh, it's really promising. I I like it. I know it's kind of polarizing in some ways because it's not traditional wrestling fair. But uh, I I think it's cool. Yeah, I I don't know enough about Awesome Kong to know whether or not there can be a payoff with this angle. But I mean, she certainly has you know the size and the attitude. So uh, you know, I'm hoping that we'll get there. I've mostly kind of not been an impact person for, for uh, my wrestling life, so I haven't seen a lot of her, but I've seen enough to know that when she was younger, she definitely could work a, a solid match. Um, I, I know that she's been absent from the sport in some ways, it seems like, for a little bit, and, and we haven't really seen her work much in AEW, but I think that when the time comes, uh, she could get into the ring and do something cool. All right. We'll move on to number four. And uh, that's been the Hangman Page versus Pack feud. Um, that has produced a lot of really great matches, including one in full gear, and then, you know, turned right around and they uh, ran it back in the last AEW Dynamite. Um, I personally think that every one of their matches has been better than the last one. Yeah, I think, it, and part of that is is because of how intelligently they're designed, I think, is that so they, they did a match, and then the next one played off of that mm-hmm. one, and they, they played around with the spots, and, and, and there were counters and thoughtful things that were happening, and then they did a third one, and then, you know, they, they did it again. And so, uh, you know, there's a lot more to work with now. And I, I just think, yeah, you're right, they're definitely delivering it in a big way, and um, I, I couldn't help but, like, be struck I've noticed this before, obviously, everyone has, but we were watching Being the Elite tonight, and Adam Page is really handsome. <laughs> he is. He's a very handsome man. Um, like, almost, like, uh, uncomfortably so. Well, you've seen him live, and the very first thing that you told me was, this may be one of the most handsome people I've ever seen in real life. Yeah, that was when, in, way back at the beginning yeah. of the year, the first wrestling show I went to, He, I was backstage, and, and he was there. They were trying to fit him into his, like... Uh, his cut off like uh, what do they call those like uh, jeans with like the hole in them for like riding a horse or something? I 
Like chaps? Chaps. He was going to wear he chaps? He was putting on chaps. Okay. And the, this poor lady, the makeup lady, was just trying to force him into these chaps that were not fitting. I hope I'm not talking out of turn, having been back with the boys in the back. Wait, but is this like Ross in his leather pants? It was like friends? Ross in his leather pants, and he's just back there, and there's people <laughs> mingling around and watching the monitors and walking around for their match, and this poor lady is trying to like tug him into these chaps. Oh, my God. Um, so that was my first experience with Eggman Page. But uh, I did. I think I texted you. I was like, this guy is, like, unbelievable. Well, um, Which I, is a weird thing to text, maybe. But I did. Yeah, I mean, I always – so I'm – whenever you meet, you meet a lot of wrestlers. You've met a lot of wrestlers. And I'll be honest, the first thing I ask about is their height. Because the height of wrestlers is confusing to me. Because, like, some people – you know, because of the fact that I think the WWE has always had this like enormous roster. And so sometimes people that I thought of was as short because they were short in WWE were in fact not that, you know, not actually that short. And then other people that I thought of as big because I've only known them in like New Japan, <laughs> um, you know, it turns out, you know, they're not very tall. And so I have just very, very curious and you're like a little over six feet tall. So I usually just ask you to compare them to you. Are they shorter than you? Are they taller than you? You spoiler alert. They're always, they're always always three inches shorter than you think they are probably. Um, and so, and and part of the way that one of the ways you can tell this and how much wrestling, the wrestling business has changed is like watch AEW and look at Chris Jericho. Right. Um, when we were, who's now like a big guy. Yeah. When we were fans in the nineties, Chris Jericho, was a tiny he's yes. too, too small to make it in the business That's right. and um now chris jericho is in there and everyone looks like a pipsqueak yeah compared to chris jericho so um that 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 was pretty interesting. I think the one that really blew you away uh, was not at a wrestling show, but we were riding on the airport shuttle. Oh, you're talking about Billy Gunn with Billy Gunn. Holy cow! And that was the opposite. Huge. Yeah, so like absolutely huge. There was the era of WC, uh, WWE where like pretty much everyone was six th- three to six five. 250 plus pounds and so like when everybody is that size none of them stand out yes. as big but when you see him in real life billy gunn is a is an enormous man yes he's huge. <laughs> so that, that, that was one that defies expectations well to get back to the point though i, I forgot what we were talking yes, about i always ask about height but you volunteered the information that hangman page may have been the most handsome person that you'd ever seen in real life in my in my life yeah for sure like he just has that um he exudes an energy, a handsome energy. Well, I, I really, in addition to the wrestling in this feud, um, I also like the mental games that are going on with like Hangman Page because, you know, he, he was really, really down uh, with all these losses in AEW, not winning the title and, and losing to Pac. And then he gets his win back in full gear and we see being the elite and he's so happy. Right, he's so happy. He basically just admits he didn't know what he was going to do if he lost that match. Well, he almost uh, indicated he would have considered self harm or something. Like it was almost disturbing. Like it was not, like it wasn't like a good celebration. Like on the show, I think it was a celebration in a way where like he was tone deaf to the other guys' uh, issues, uh, right. Matt and Nick Jackson and stuff. So yeah, there's some definitely something going on yes. with the Hangman Page character. And then of course, when Wednesday came around and they had their rubber match. He he didn't win. Yeah. So if you if you get that high, yes. then you got to worry about those lows. And so I I would like to say before we move on to the next one though that I'm um I'm kind of upset that you and I have just yielded to the pressure, and and we're calling him Pack. <laughs> uh, it, it was not two Pack, it's Pac, 
But the world is it says pack, so I guess we're gonna say pack, and I'm a little sad about that. Oh, well, too bad you're the minority. I'll I'll, <laughs> I'll live with pack, but I won't be happy. All right, number three, um, and sort of related to number two, um, but it is MJF's much anticipated heel turn. Full, I guess, full heel turn. Because it's not like he's been like a likable baby face. Right, yeah. So um, I, I was disappointed in some ways. I thought the execution of it was great. Let me right. just say that first off. I thought he did a great job, and especially the next night, or not the next night, but the next yes, televised Wednesday. show on Wednesday on Dynamite, he had this epic promo in the ring with Chris Jericho where it just felt like classic wrestling, like the wrestling that you love. Like Yeah, after coming out to right. Cody's entrance, Using Cody's, you know, special little elevator entrance oh, that the, nobody else the, uses. The pure disrespect of oh, it. Oh, it was terrible. But the, yeah, that that one had the energy of like um, Ric Flair and Dusty Rhodes at the at like WCW Saturday Night or The Rock and Stone Cold Steve Austin. I always get in trouble when I make these comparisons, but it really did feel it, it provided that sort of energy, and I, that that's like the 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 Attitude Era. Uh, in in the best way, where larger than life characters are having these like organics feeling interactions, uh, and so I really love that. So um, I'm I'm there for MJF uh, as a heel, mm-hmm. uh, as a storyteller or, or the consumer of stories. I would have liked to see them um, hold out a little longer before right. they turned MJF. But part of it is just like they have this lightning in a bottle mm-hmm. and I don't think they feel like they want to hold on to it. They want to let it out into the world. Right. Right. So, um, so they're not going to show the patience that I was hoping for, but, um, at the same time, MJF is a great character and, and I'm really excited to see, uh, where this all goes. Yeah. And we never, we didn't really get an answer about whether or not he has aligned himself with, uh, Chris Jericho. Uh, but we did, however, Meet. We didn't really get an his... understanding of who asked who about joining the inner circle. <laughs> well, we we met his own personal Jake Hager. Yeah, he's got his own Jake Hager. <laughs> and I'll be honest, I, I recognized uh, Wardlow from the uh, the various promos that the they've done. Fighting videos. Yeah. <laughs> but what I didn't recognize right away until you pointed it out was his Burberry tie. Oh, it was an amazing which touch. Which was such a neat little touch to, yeah. to just sort of like uh, pull everyone's attention to the fact that like this is not, this guy's just not randomly running in here. Like this is, he's already aligned himself with MJF. Yeah, and uh, I feel like... Which I kind of assume means that Wardlow can't really talk. <laughs> which is fine. <laughs> yes, uh, but, it's you know, absolutely fine. I, I thought... Um, what I thought of immediately was kind of weird because uh, we watched MLW, which is MJF's other promotion. I was thinking that like Richard Holiday and Hammerstone were probably just like, oh, oh, <laughs> like cause I'm sure they didn't want to wear the scarf the way that Max does, but having the accessory, the tie yes. that matched, was a beautiful touch. I'm sure that the, the dynasty was kicking themselves that they didn't come up with that first, and so. Um, I, I thought this was great, and and if they reform a group with that sort of dynamic in AEW, that would be cool. I don't know where where all this is going, but Max definitely could be uh, the head of a larger faction, uh, and and I think that would be it would be cool for them to have multiple heel and multiple babyface factions, kind of all feuding at once, New Japan style. Mm-hmm. All right, and that brings us to number two, which was 
the Cody Jericho match. So what did you make of this? Of the match? Yeah. I mean, I, I enjoyed the match. Um, I've liked all of Cody's matches. I, I don't always go into them particularly enthusiastic. I always go into them I know you do. Um, but I'm always pleasantly surprised um, that I end up really enjoying them. Um, it, on paper, it never looks like something that I'd be interested in, like Cody Sean Spears, even Cody Jericho. Um, but there's just something about the energy in those Cody matches that just sucks me in. Yeah, I've given up doubting at this point. You know, at one point I was a fairly prominent doubter of Cody. Uh, but uh, you can't deny the excellence. And so uh, I've really gotten gotten into him as a performer. I think he's the best big match performer with the possible exception of um, Kenny Omega and, and Okada. But like, as far as like you have a big main event style match, he's going to go out there and deliver something cool. And and part of that is the is what we talked about earlier is that um, it, it's easier for a match to feel like it matters and feel important when the when there's five or ten thousand or fifteen thousand people who care, mm-hmm. who really care about it. Right. That that makes it feel a lot bigger. And so he he um, he's able to elicit that response in right. people. And so and Jericho too. So when those two kind of forces collide, um, I, I think it leads to something special. And even though, like, maybe physically right, and, and technically, mm-hmm. these are not the most gifted wrestlers in the promotion. Yes. But uh, when you put it all together, yeah. it, 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 the, the sum is, is larger than the, the parts. So I don't know if that's the metaphor. <laughs> is that the correct saying? But whatever it is, like it, it all adds up to something that bigger than you would thought would have right, thought. Right, exactly. Yeah, and and I'll be honest, I um, was pleasantly surprised, have been pleasantly surprised at at Jericho's actual work um, in in the last several matches, um, because you know he, let's just be honest, he just doesn't really move that well anymore. Um, but he can still put together a really good match. Yeah, I think it's it's great that he has. In uh, in this year, for the first time, I think he's kind of, and, and maybe it was the Naito and the Okada matches that convinced him of this. I'm not sure, but he's he seems to have given up for a long time. He was trying to keep up with the young guys. Right. He he still thought of himself as uh, thrill seekers, uh, work rate Chris Jericho, and, and he's not that guy. Like you're, right. you're pointing he's out, not that he, guy. he can't be. Right. But he was trying to be, uh, and it was it didn't suit him well. But now he's kind of I think. Um, settled into this role where he understands like okay i'm a veteran yeah i'm a big kind of a slightly overweight guy i don't want to be disrespectful but he's got a belly and he doesn't uh it's like when it's like when your dad figures out he has to start playing old man basketball right like (laughs) jericho's just backing you in sticking his butt out Um, absolutely that's the that's the wrestling style he has now but he's making it work so he's the things that he's doing uh, he's slowing things down and and, um he's establishing himself as the bigger man the stronger man Mm -hmm. the 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 smarter and more sophisticated uh wrestler and and i think that's working really well for him and so uh i i love it i thought that was a great match i thought it, it was potentially the feud of the year even because uh of the promo work leading into it and all the storylines and the, the, and certainly not done. Yeah. And the great video packages they did and mm-hmm. Cody running up that ramp and punching through the glass <laughs> and, and fighting in the dipping dots. Like, I mean, so much has been great about this. Um, and, and the match delivered. And that's always cool when, when all that comes together, like they, sometimes you have the great promo work, but they can't deliver in the ring. 
this was everything. All right. And, and I think that um, we'll have to address, I, I mean, we should address uh, something that I saw prominently on my timeline um, after the show, which was Cody's stipulation that if he didn't win the title from Jericho, he'd never challenge for it again. Yeah, so they had a lot going on in this match. Right. You know, not they, Yeah, that wasn't really necessary. No, but he did it, no and it's out there now. It. Yeah, so it, it was um, a self-imposed thing. No one asked him to do that. No one was demanding it, I didn't feel. But uh, he felt it was important, I guess. And so uh, now we're in a position where we have to see... Um, is he a man of his word right. or, or does he, does he feel like it doesn't count because it wasn't, you know, he didn't really lose. Right. It was taken from him. Well, I can tell you that the reaction online, I saw an awful lot of, um, you know, why, you know, if you're going to put a stipulation like this out there, uh, you have to take it seriously. And if you're going to, you know, if you're going to make a statement like this, that is basically giving all of the fans your word, like you have to stand by it. But then again, a recognition that this is Cody and he's not going to never challenge for the belt again. So you and I uh, had several conversations about how, how we think we're going to, they're going to be able to get around that. And I can tell you right now, it's going to be an awful lot of disappointed people if it's just something as simple as like, oh, enough time has passed and we're just not going to mention that again. Yeah, I, I don't feel like having interacted with these people uh, quite a bit now, AEW folks doing interviews, et cetera. I, I, I don't feel like that'll be how they do it. Right. Like, you know, they're real attention to detail people. They, they, they care about this stuff. And, and they've planned it out uh, in advance. So I, I bet they already have a, how this is going to rectify itself. And so my prediction mm-hmm. is that um, Cody will, st- will will keep his word. Mm-hmm. There will be some opportunity. They'll say, hey, you're the number one challenger. He'll come out and say, I'm sorry, I, I said I wouldn't challenge, and I'm not going to. Okay. Um, but eventually there will be either someone who hates him enough or, or a babyface champion who wants to know in their heart, am I better than Cody Rhodes? And so it won't be Cody challenging uh, eventually in the future, whether it's MJF because he, his slogan is I'm better than you and you know it. Mm-hmm. There may be a time in MJF's heart where he wants to prove that to himself. Right. And so I don't think the stipulation would count. He said, I will never challenge, mm-hmm. but what if the champion challenges you? Right. And so I could see that for either MJF and as a culmination of their feuds saying, no, I, I may be the champion uh, this is assuming MJF is a champion right. in the future. Him, him saying no, I, I want to know. Like, right. I'm better than you. And I'm going to prove it. That's. I think that would void the stipulation. And the same thing could apply to someone like Kenny Omega yeah. saying, um, you know, I'm the best bout machine, but I don't feel like I'm really the champion. Right. Unless I can beat my friend Cody. Yeah. That was. I mean, when you brought that up, and I, and of all the various ways that we thought that they might try to get around the stipulation. I I like that one the best. Um, I immediately thought of this idea of, well, traditionally um, you have like, you know, you have a a heel usually with the belt, baby face climbing to get it. And then you've discussed it before that a baby face with the title tends to be a little bit boring. Like once the chase is over and they have the belt, 
a lot of promotions, like, they just don't find anything good to do with that person then. It, it gets a little bit, like I said, boring. And this would give you an opportunity for, like, an actual baby face against baby face. I get, you know, feud, for lack of a better term. Um, when somebody, a true baby face with the title, just really wants to know... I'm the best, not because of this stipulation and because Cody can never, you know, challenge for the belt, but the actual top of this promotion. And, and I have to beat Cody to show everybody that that's true. And so I just thought that's an opportunity that doesn't come up very often in promotions to right. have an interesting right. feud between two true baby faces. But you could see a, a, a champion in the future saying like, you know, I may have this belt, but nobody believes I'm the best mm -hmm. because Cody's out there. He's right. still winning all the time. Maybe he's even pinned this champion in tag matches. Whatever the case may be, right. there's doubt. And the championship is supposed to represent the, the very best wrestler in the world. And, and so then you could kind of see this scenario where someone says, I, this belt doesn't mean anything until I beat you. Right. And, I yeah, I immediately, the, the two people I thought of immediately were MJF, wanting to be sure that he could, you know, vanquish his old friend and mentor and Kenny Omega, who de who seems like definitely this the the type of character who would not be comfortable with the idea that he was only at the top of the promotion because, you know, Cody was held back by this old right. stipulation. Cuz what what does that belt mean? Right. If exactly. it doesn't represent uh, the best wrestler in the world. And that was a problem, not to segue too much, but that was a huge problem for a long time when uh, WWE would like put the world championship on kind of like a mid-card level wrestler and then, you know, put John Cena in the main event against Triple H or right. something instead or Brock Lesnar or whatever. Mm -hmm. It's like, um, you can tell me this mid-card guy is the champion, but I don't believe it. Right. If you treat these other people as more important. Exactly. And they feel more important. Mm-hmm. And so that's, it, you know, there's a disconnect. Yeah, and, and if things continue as they're going, Cody will feel more important, you know, for a while than, right. than a lot of people who might uh, vie for that belt. Right, and because I'm not sure he lost that match <laughs> in any fair way. He didn't give up. He did not give up. So, um, yeah, so that was a great match, but it was not our number one. Our number one. And do you agree? Were you with me that with putting Moxley versus Omega as number one? I think it was the most interesting thing. Okay. I think for for my tastes, I I I personally liked the the Jericho. See, that's what I thought versus Cody match. But even at Bleacher Report, uh, I was going to put Omega versus Moxley as my match of the week uh, because I think it was the the more important match. It's the match that everyone's talking about. It, it's the zeitgeist. You know, it, it is the thing that happened that mattered the most, whether or not I loved it the most. Uh, but I did really enjoy it. Yeah. Well, all those things, I think all those things are true, and I loved it the most. <laughs> well, I think you told me at the event, like, um, you're pretty much just there to see Kenny. This, yeah, that's a little bit true. Did we forget to mention that you dressed up as Cody Rhodes? You did not mention that. Uh, you put it out on Twitter. 
Yeah, you dress up as Cody Rhodes with these amazing like thigh-high white boots, a uh, uh, Cody Rhodes weight belt. Uh, yeah, I'm proud of my belt. Um, I, I had to paint and decorate that myself. An American flag tights, a Cody shirt. You that bought, I cut the sleeves off of? cut the sleeves it's off a T-shirt. It's literally the first time I have ever bought a T-shirt for the purpose of cutting the sleeves off. And you had to work your arms, not that your arms were not already uh, jacked as hell, but you had to work them further because you knew. That's true. Yeah. I did. I, I spent several weeks focusing uh, on my biceps to, to get them looking really nice. So, uh, <laughs> job well done. Thank you. So, yeah, with that said, let's move into Kenny. Yes. Uh, so, our number one was uh, the Moxley Omega Lights Out. Doesn't even count. Doesn't even count. Unsanctionable uh, match slash main event. <laughs> <laughs> I told you they were gonna. I, you, you, you had an argument. You didn't think they were gonna make that the main event. I told you, I par- partially. I thought the whole lights out uh, gimmick, in addition to the fact that there's gonna be a ton of plunder and it's a pain to clean up after, but also I thought that's how they kind of got around making this the main event versus the championship match. So this was something. I loved it. Oh, my God. I loved it so much. <laughs> so uh, you weren't put off at all by the level of, of uh, violence? No. If that makes me a terrible person, I'm sorry. But no, not at all. That excited you a little bit. I loved. I love it. I love that stuff. Like, I still can't believe Moxley hasn't taken out a chainsaw yet. But <laughs> You're waiting for the weed whacker or something to make an appearance. <laughs> but, yeah, no, I, I love it. I'm not... I'm, I thought Cody's head bash was way grosser. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, that was a legitimate injury. So um, there was a oh, lot of... Oh, heck, I thought Maya Yim taking a ladder to the face on NXT on Wednesday was way grosser. So there was a lot of discussion about this post-match, about whether or not the... Tons it, of discussion. It was too much. They went I too far. I was really surprised. I was a little shocked, and I think it's disingenuous. I think almost everyone that I saw making those comments was... Uh, it was like a, the faux sophisticated wrestling fans who are like, what will the casual fans think of this? That was the, always their proposition. And um, in, in my experience at the arena, the casual fan was batshit crazy for it. <laughs> uh, we didn't have a single person who was turned off by it. Actually, way less so than like when we saw the ladder match between the Young Bucks and oh, the Lucha yeah. Brothers, where there were people oh, yeah. who were like, oh, this is too far. Oh, yeah. There were there were people during that, that ladder match who would legitimately wanted them to stop that match. Like, they did not... There were a lot of those spots. And, and in their defense, those spots are worse than barbed wire. So they're right to, <laughs> to be worried about the health of their favorite wrestlers in, in that kind of ladder match. But um, no, I, we didn't have anybody around us um, in our section who seemed, I mean, they were nervous, you know, it, engaged, but they were not, they didn't seem grossed out or angry that it was happening. No, I mean, and the thing is, is it was billed as this style of match. Yeah, you like, knew what you were going to get. Yeah, it was a blood feud, and then they were talking about the depths that they were going to go to. And, and, you know, people are familiar with what deathmatch wrestling looks like, what garbage wrestling looks like. And I think that having seen Moxley and Joey Janela already, like, um, you kind of had the idea that he and Kenny Omega in the main event of a pay-per-view mm-hmm. are going to take it a step further. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I 
be honest, I went into it hoping that they were going to. <laughs> I would have been disappointed if they didn't. So if you had to pick out one thing that you loved the most out of this match, what would it be? I have to pick out one thing? Well, you can have other things you like, but like, what was the highlight for you? Oh, my gosh. Obviously, the one that's been played over and over again is the the barbed wire pit. Yeah. The bed I mean, of barbed wire. Yeah. I don't know. Not, I, that that wasn't, was not that a wasn't highlight for, for me, no. Um, it was probably either um, the... <laughs> Taking Kenny with his bag of glass and um, crunching it up, pouring it out, and then um, putting Moxley in the submission so that he would have to crawl through the the glass in order to get to the ropes, which, of course, you weren't even going to get a rope break, but he had to get some leverage to pull himself up, you know, out out of the submission. So I noticed, like, immediately from where the position that he dragged him into, like I realized immediately, oh my God, he's going to have to crawl back through the broken glass in order to to get to the ropes to pull himself up. Um, Probably either that or um, Kenny getting desperate at the end and going up for the Phoenix Splash. So there was a, you know, it showed like kind of the various levels of, um, wrestling nerddom of the of the of the <laughs> fandom that was there around us because um a lot of people had no idea what that symbolized and what that was about right no i mean and um, you could enjoy it without that oh yeah um yeah we had people around us who were just like uh didn't understand why he was going up to do this top rope maneuver that he didn't normally do because he like at that point kenny had the momentum and it looked like that he could probably put moxley away of course, until he misses the Phoenix splash and, you know, lands on his quote face. Um, then there were people around us who also couldn't, you know, who also understood that this is a reference to golden lovers and they couldn't believe that he was going to, you know, go up and, and, you know, that he had gotten desperate enough that he was going to go up and try the Phoenix splash. Of course, I think a hundred percent of the people around us knew he was not going to hit it. (laughs) So there was a lot of like, Oh no, Kenny, don't do that. Um, But yeah, it was, uh, that was really cool. I I loved it. I thought it was a great spectacle and uh, it it felt special. And and I thought those last two matches were uh, probably like the best one, two punch that I've seen in American wrestling this year. Yeah. I mean, I told you, um, after the show, that going in to those final two um, matches, I was of the opinion that this was probably my least favorite AEW show that I'd been to. Um, but those last two matches and everything you know around them uh, was that was good enough, basically, to to turn my whole opinion around and decide that this show was like a huge success. And that's really the power of those main event style matches and the big matches to the, can make you feel that way. Yeah. Can make you forget about everything that came before. Like if the first match of the night is, is a great action match, that's cool, mm-hmm. but it's not going to make you forget, you know, that the, the, the next three hours was subpar. Right. Right. You know, exactly. whereas like one, a couple of big matches at the end can make you kind of, uh, sweep away 
Kenny Omega cleaner style, the earlier stuff that you didn't love. And it wasn't that I think thought that this was bad. I thought everything on it was solid. Mm-hmm. But I think you're right that, you know, it was missing a wow factor yes. until then. Yeah, until those last two matches. But those those matches were, you know, hugely wowing as far as I'm concerned. And, um, yeah, so I thought it was a really good show. Uh, I was, like I said, I was very surprised at the online criticism I saw a whole I saw. A whole bunch of people, like you said, the the weird, like, what are the casuals going to think? This is set wrestling back or whatever. I, I totally, I'm sorry, but I just dismissed that stuff. Then I saw a lot of people who just were like, I don't like that style of wrestling. That's totally valid opinion. Like, we are of a different opinion because I love it, but that I can completely understand. I will just say that you knew what you were getting into with this match. They didn't lie to you. <laughs> so maybe don't watch any more of those matches if you don't like it. Um, but the criticism that really got under my skin was the violence for violence sake. There was no build to this match or no story in this match. And like that just gets me really hot because first of all, there was a long build to this match. Yeah, and a complicated one. That yes, super complicated. So I yeah, I thought it I thought it was a really cool build to include like, you know, both of these guys trying to explore who the other one mm-hmm. was, whether it was Moxley going and doing the, the I mean, damn G one climax. Moxley came into <laughs> this promotion with one thing on his mind, and that was going after, you know, this you know, this proclaimed best wrestler in the world which, by the way, he is the best wrestler in the world, Kenny Omega, and proving himself against... I mean, that's the first time we saw Moxley. That's how it started. Right. That's how Moxley in AEW started. And he didn't even... Uh, I thought that was interesting. Like, he, you know, Kenny hadn't won that match. No. Chris Jericho Chris won that Chris Jericho match. won that match. But he wasn't so interested in Chris Jericho. No. He was interested in the best wrestler in the world, Kenny Omega, this legend, this myth he had heard about, and he wanted to test himself against him. Yes. And that would make sense in real life if a WWE guy came over, they would want to say, who's your best guy? Right. I want to beat him. That's what this was. And so like to uh, on the path to that, he went to the G1 Climax mm-hmm. in New Japan because Kenny had been there and won it. He wanted to know what that felt like, to right. understand a little bit about who Kenny is. Meanwhile, Kenny was uh, willing to explore the dark side a little bit to figure out who is this Moxley character. Right. He fought Joey Janela in a hardcore match. I'm going to fight Joey Janela right. in a hardcore match. There was a lot of story in this. Yes. And then in the match itself, um, you know, we've, it, you know, if you know anything about uh, Kenny Omega matches, like he had, he has, he's brilliant at telling the story of basically being pushed to his limits, whether it's like an endurance test with a, you know, a 60 minute draw or two out of three falls, uh, whether it's just like, and like an emotional test when he has to fight Coda or when he had to fight the Young Bucks uh, when they were feuding or in this case like a test of like how violent are you willing to be like how much violence can you take how much are you willing to perpetrate uh, you know to beat this unsanctionable you know fighter who's uh, trying to prove himself against you I I thought it was a great story well told and uh I don't think it's probably over. I don't know where it goes no, next. No, I mean, they, they continue to tell they continue to tell that story with, I mean, you know, Kenny hasn't had 
the best time in AEW. He doesn't have a great record. He's there have been some setbacks. Um, then he's now lost this match, uh, despite you know really pushing himself in into these violent depths. And then we even saw on AEW Dynamite like his sort of this beating down of Kenny Omega continues, where he's not medically cleared after losing the match to Moxley. And he wants to know, like, oh, but, you know, how's the other guy? And they're like, oh, well, Moxley's going to be wrestling tonight. Like, the, you know, the, the story continues. Like, he's losing on all levels. Right. And, and he's kind of laid it out a little bit in that, uh, that video, the Undertale video, uh, that uh, I think the story that he's ultimately going to tell here is that Kenny Omega, a, a happy person, a person who's living his best life, in a wrestling promotion with his friends, cannot beat John Moxley. He cannot go to the level that he needs to, but the cleaner can. But the cleaner is also a man who doesn't understand friendship and love and and happiness. And so uh, he's going to have to break uh, himself or or be broken before he can reemerge as someone capable of winning this match, no matter what it might cost. Well, he has alluded on both on the show, on Being the Elite, and through his Twitter, that 2019 has not been a great year for Kenny Omega. We can certainly hope that next year, 2020, uh, is a little more successful for Kenny Omega. And we have our next AEW trip lined up on January 1st, 2020. We'll be at our first Dynamite show. It's going to be pretty exciting. Uh, New Year's. Yeah, New Year's Day um, in Jacksonville. They hit all of our requirements, which were very, very specific. We needed a Wednesday show to be during a school holiday, preferably close uh, to a a work holiday, so you didn't have to miss multiple days of work, and within driving distance. And this is like, I mean, I don't think, there could be a more perfect set of circumstances. So, of course, we got tickets. I'm really excited about seeing it again. Um, I posted it today on Twitter, like, uh, and it it wasn't even really like a joke. Like, uh, between, like, Wednesday and the next Tuesday, like, (laughs) I I really, I I do miss the AEW. (laughs) Like, uh, I know they probably shouldn't, have another show, <laughs> but I, I almost like wish they had like a, a thunder to their nitro or like a SmackDown to their raw or whatever, you know, a second show. Or maybe they can move dark more towards the middle of that period, like on Friday or something. Yeah, to fill that time, right. maybe make it a weekend show or something. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know, but I definitely feel, feel that like that void there. And, and I know you could fill it with other wrestling, but to me, like, uh, I enjoy other wrestling promotions, but nothing feels like AEW to yeah, me. I mean, that's definitely true for me too. Like New Japan when they're in in the midst of a tour, it's pretty pretty good. But yeah, not, like a yeah, like a like a good strong tour. Right, not like one of these house shows, like uh, with no compelling main event kind of yeah. matches. You know, like the the big New Japan still exactly. feels big. Um, all right, so our top five. All right, we move on to questions. Sure. And I know that we have a ton. I think you have most of that. I have the ones that that came from today. And so I don't know if you want to go back and, and 
and do some older ones too. Yeah, um, I have. I'm going to go back and do one older one. Okay. Um, Grouch Jones. Okay. Says, how in the Sam heck do you guys watch New Japan Live while being parents? <laughs> I'm single, no kids, and almost died thrice trying to watch <laughs> Wrestle Kingdom Live. Um, I, yeah, I don't know. Um, I, I mean, I'm going to be perfectly honest. I love New Japan Live. And this is probably something maybe a lot of other people don't have to, to think about this. I don't, I don't really know, like, you know, what demographic wrestling fans fall in or whatever. But here's the thing. These shows that start at 8 Eastern, uh, which is 7 Central because I'm in the Central time zone, the middle of those darn shows is bedtime for kids, for my kids. And so every one of those shows, whether it's WWE, whether it's AEW, well, even like Ring of Honor, like I, every single one of those shows I have to pause or I have to miss something because, you know, my kids need help with their baths and they need their pajamas and we got to make sure that, you know, anything that's going back to school gets done. And I, then they have these incredibly elaborate bedtime routines. Yes, I, I have to read five books. Yes. And then, and they expect it, you know, to be the same every single night. And so those shows are really difficult for me to watch. I don't get to enjoy them the same way. I will gladly wake up at two thirty in the morning make myself a cup of coffee and watch New Japan Live with no interruptions. And of course, also, not only do I have to actually physically leave the room during these uh, evening wrestling shows, but when my kid is still up, he's in the same room playing Taylor Swift as loud as he can or, you know, video games way too loud on, on his various devices. There's all these other things incoming all the time. And, oh, I'm behind on the laundry, so I'm sitting there, like, folding at the same time. And, no, when I wake up at 2, 3 in the morning to watch New Japan Live, it's just me, my favorite wrestlers, and a cup of coffee, and nothing else. So I actually love New Japan Live. Uh, for me, I think uh, as a mixed martial arts fan, like uh, early, early um, in in my tenure as like a writer and stuff, the the Japanese promotions were still a big thing, and so uh, we would actually uh, stay up late to watch like Pride or K One and stuff like this, or even just uh, hear the re the results reported back, and we'd all be in like a group chat. Um, watching like early versions of streaming or it would be on like HDNet or whatever. So um, have some experience in this in this uh, business of staying up late to watch content from Japan. So um, this just kind of falls right in right in line with it. Yeah, I mean, I not only have I not had any trouble doing it, I have come to prefer to consume my wrestling that way. And, and I'm not afraid to like go to my actual job and just be totally worthless for a day. Oh yeah. And I don't have a job. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, we don't give a, sh we don't give a shit. So that's another, another factor. <laughs> All right. What do you got? All right. So let's see. Derek Maldonado says, uh, what part of the lights out match would you least want to experience? Uh, for him, it would be, being dragged through the broken glass. Okay. So what about you? Um, so for me, like I, so I have an extreme fear of anything getting in my eye. 
or eyes. And so the broken glass, I didn't like the broken glass, but for just like an entirely different reason, which is just like that there's just shards like flying around anytime anybody's like going into, uh, you know, this pile of broken glass. And that freaks me out. Like I just, I can't, it's just like a risk that I just can't take. Like I, we've talked about it, about whether or not we'd go, you know, to, to, see like death matches and we both agreed like okay but we're not sitting close to the ring right (laughs) and for me that's because of my eyes like i'm scared to death of anything damaging my eyes i kind of feel the same way because uh we actually knew a guy in the army who lost an eye from a lawnmower accident yeah a lawnmower like or it just hit a rock and hit him in the in the eye and he didn't have an eye anymore right and so that's um that that's a legitimate fear even though I, you know, I don't know exactly how the magic is done, but I don't think that that was all like real glass. No, I because there weren't. But very it doesn't even cuts. have to be glass. Though. Sure, like, any shards thing. of anything can hurt your eye. Yeah. So yeah, I, I didn't like the glass stuff of any of the spots in those in that match um, that made me uncomfortable. It was the glass, whether it was fake or not. It, I just it just made me feel kind of weird. So I'm not, I'm not a, a big proponent of that. So uh, I agree with Derek. I think we're all on the same page. The glass. All right, the glass. All right, so Jay Sandlin wants to know who we think will be the second AEW champion, assuming Le Champion doesn't rule forever. Ever uh, (laughs) loses the, the championship. He is 49 years old. So presumably, yeah. even if he remains undefeated. And you totally shot down my Tanahashi idea. Even after we got confirmation that Jericho will be facing Tanahashi in Tokyo Dome. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Are I you mean, coming around? I, who knows what's possible in this crazy business? <laughs> I mean, I thought Cody and MJF were best friends, and then here we go. Well, you have always pointed out how they use... Um, Gaijin champions to break up, um, you know, the, the, basically the lineage of the new Japan of the IWGP championship, maybe AEW will just go the other way. That would be interesting. <laughs> so like Jericho wouldn't lose to Cody. He'd lose no, to Tana who Tana would Ashi. lose to Cody. Exactly. Um, I don't think that'll be it. No, I don't think so either. No matter how cool that would be. So based on my previous theory, I think MJF will be the next champion. Whoa. So, I don't know how they'll get there, but I believe MJF will be the second champion. I believe Cody will be the third champion. <gasps> okay, that's very cool. All right. Tanahashi, you're, you're going to go with that? You're just mm. going to stick with that one? No. <laughs> I'll go with MJF. I think I can see that. All right, awesome. So, Wrestling Jeebus wants to know if we could change one thing immediately. About the modern day wrestling business, what would it be? Whoa. It's a big question. Yeah. One thing? One thing. Well, what comes to your mind? Um, so probably like if I was a decent person, I would be like... Uh, make it safer. Make our, Let's get a union <laughs> and get the guys paid better. Um, my, But my actual thing, selfishly, uh-huh. that I would want is the WWE to stop doing those stupid camera cuts in between, like, where they cut between cameras, like, three times oh, during one move. That. 
And so you never really like can see what's happening and it minimizes the impact of everything they do on television. Like the way they film wrestling TV for WWE, I would change that. I don't, I don't care if it's safer or right. not. Right. The Sorry. first thing that came to my mind is even more selfish than that, which is like, ah, oh, please make some better merch and make it fit women. <laughs> yeah, that's solid. I could, I could go for that too. Like fewer black t-shirts, no skulls, uh, very few American flags. This feels like I'm targeting Cody right now. Um, maybe they could be targeting anybody. Anybody. Um, I have wrestlers, I don't want to say their names because some of them might listen to this, who I like, I enjoy, mm-hmm. I would love to represent, right. but I'm not wearing your ugly ass That's t-shirt. Right. Like I've worn, I wear some pretty bad t-shirts, like, so my standards are not that high. And, and some, of them, some of these people cannot meet them. Right. Like, so yes, merch would be the other thing. Well, I, you know, I, I just had to buy that Cody shirt to cut the sleeves off of <laughs> so I could make my, my Cody cosplay. And I, I found an extra small, like this was a new shirt from Hot Topic and they actually have some extra smalls now. Um, it, it still swims on me. Like it's still huge because it's not a woman's extra small. It's a unisex extra small. And so, yeah, I just, I would, I would buy a lot more merchandise if I could find things that actually fit me. So and at Pro Wrestling Tees, you can change the cut of the shirt. Yeah, you can get some You can get some women's cut, but the shirt I wanted was like one of their new Hot Topic exclusives, so I couldn't get it from Pro Wrestling right. Tees. I see. But I, I'm just like, if you, but even just the cut, the sizing, the design, like just make some stuff for women so that, you know, we feel like we're real fans, like that you care whether we wear your merchandise. Because, I mean, I would if it fit. We just made the sport so much better just in this last <laughs> couple minutes. So. Also, AEW make bears, little stuffed bears of the wrestlers. <laughs> make the bears. <laughs> That's two things, though, so you got to choose one or the other. Uh, you think about that. We'll, we'll get back to it next week. <laughs> All right, so this metal, is not going to help the business at all. No, metal, metal Mixel Mixel uh, wants to know how do we feel about members of the crowd clearly attached to their phones for the majority of full gear? Is it distracting or bad etiquette in your opinion? Um, I think it's just 2019. Yeah. I mean, people are attached to their phones when they're sitting at home watching their favorite, you know, television show or football game, or they're live tweeting. They're texting with people. When you're at a live event, you're also filming and taking pictures. And I, I think it's just the way it is. It's creeping into like work meetings and stuff, where people have their phones and engage with them. Like while we're having a meeting at work, right. um, that used to be like kind of like the last refuge. Um, no longer. Like people are not afraid to pick up their phone to see who's texting them while the boss is talking. Um, maybe the the boss needs to step up his game. I don't know. But, um, so yeah, it's, it's everywhere. Um, I can't say that I noticed in particular that it was worse. I mean, we were in the crowd, so I wasn't super focused on what they were doing on television. I didn't have anybody like get in my way, like trying to film everything or anything like that. So honestly, I didn't pay much attention. I, I did see that some people like, you know, around us were occasionally picking up their phone and, uh, looked like they were kind of seeing what people were saying and maybe tweeting themselves, but um, nothing that distracted me, I would say. 
I thought what was interesting, uh, that, that question is particularly interesting because uh, I went for the majority of the event without my phone, which oh, right. is a rare experience yeah. for me because we gave my, my older son, uh, I think for some reason, wanted the phone and, and I gave it to him. Um, and he's not going to give it back. Yes. <laughs> and, and, and so I found myself uh, much more engaged than I typically am because, you know, your, your attention does, sh- you know, no one can focus on, on all these things at once. It's literally impossible. And so I was focused solely on the action pretty much. Mm-hmm. And, and I enjoyed it. I liked that experience, like not having to like share my thoughts on everything um, beyond with you. Right. And so, um, yeah, it was cool. It was a cool experience. I might try it again because. Uh, well, that's it, my experience. Sure. I don't look at my phone. I do. I don't do anything with my phone. I dehydrate myself so I don't have to go to the restroom. I don't eat any concessions. I'm a hundred percent engaged for like five hours. <laughs> the, all these things that she said that sound like a joke are very true. Uh, so yeah, she does not get up at all during the show. Like me and the boys will go to the bathroom, get concessions, get food, look at merch or whatever. Just <laughs> nope, get up and me. walk around. Go to the the culture wreck truck. Uh, for some sensory breaks, whatever. I'm in charge of all of that. She's not getting up from the wrestling ever. Nope. And so, um, <laughs> yeah, so I, I kind of lived a little bit in your world, um, hyper-focused exclusively on the what was in front it's of awesome, me. awesome, right? And it was fun. Yeah. Yeah. So I might try it again, although there is like this expectation, I guess, and maybe it's uh, invented by me that because I'm like a, you know, not like super famous or whatever, but I'm fairly prominent in a certain circle where like maybe people are expecting me to be tweeting. And then I feel like, am I disappointing someone by not, um, by not doing that? Or maybe like, I'm also like, am I insulting the event by not engaging it online? Like, uh, these are probably stupid concerns. (laughs) So, but that, that is the kind of thing that goes through my head. So, um, to answer the question, though, is I, I think we're, we're just stuck with the phones. It's, it's the world we live in now. Yeah. I don't even really think – I don't think people think of it as being, like, not engaged with the wrestling or, or being rude spectators. I think that it's just life. Yeah. All right. So Danny Cheeseburger says, with regards to AEW versus NXT, which product do you think has the best overall bell-to-bell in the ring? In the ring wrestling, and maybe to follow up the top three workers in each brand. And so, I think when he says workers, um, he's maybe kind of like eliminating the stuff that, that I like about Cody, like the backstage uh, promos and the the cool video packages and the, the charisma and okay. stuff. And he's just talking about wrestling, all right, like Chris Benoit style wrestling, okay. Um, Without the murdering. So, um, which is better, AEW or NXT? Strictly in the ring. I think it's NXT. You think so? I do. Um, I didn't expect that to be your answer. Uh, no, I mean, I recognize. So I think the best uh, is New Japan. Oh, yeah. Well, he didn't ask about Right, but I'm just saying, if we're going to throw the, throw these out there. Yeah, they're the best. But he didn't ask about He asked about AEW versus NXT. Um, they've had what they've been face-to-face, six, seven weeks, something like that, um, I'd have to say that mm, I think NXT, wrestling-wise, won most of those battles. 
I think now, they, they I typically have like two or three even really good yeah, matches. Yeah, and that and this is know, their TV show. Their TV show and their takeover shows have delivered almost oh, every pa- time. Oh, yeah, the takeover pay per views are great. Um, you know, I I don't that hasn't made those shows more fun for me. It hasn't made me more engaged with with NXT over AEW because I think AEW offers a lot of other cool stuff um, that make those shows really, really fun for me. Yeah. So I think wrestling is bigger than just what happens in the ring. Right. But I do, I think you're probably right. Yeah. Um, I think at the very top, AEW is better, has better performers. But if you look at the mid card and the undercard, mm-hmm. I think the the people that NXT presents right now are, are more polished right. and better wrestlers. Oh yeah. Um, to the point that right now I'm trying to think of the three best workers and it's really hard in it, NXT. In NXT. Yeah. Um, especially if you're, if you're not going to limit it and, and you have to pick between the men and the women, which you do. Yeah. I mean, so who you got, um, oh my gosh. Um, well, Io Shirai. Yeah. She's, she's on my list too, for sure. Um, any of the four undisputed era guys, like, um, I mean, who do you pick first? Like Adam Cole, Roger Strong. I don't. I mean, I don't know. Like. Yeah, and then then you start thinking you've got Keith Lee, you've got Matt Riddle, you've got Finn Balor now. Um, you know, a lot of uh, people who are not us, and I still think he's pretty good. But you know, a lot of people really like Johnny Gargano. Yes. Uh, Tommaso Ciampa. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're, you start just running them down. Yeah. And and there's a lot of people to choose from. Right, and they bring in... Shayna Baszler. Yeah, and the UK guys. Big oh, Strong Boy. Yeah, <laughs> and Be Done and Walter. Walter. Um, Leo Rush now. Like Yeah, they, uh, the cruiserweights are there now too. Drew, They got Drew Gulak. They got uh, Tony Nese. I, I, it's too hard. Like, yeah, I'm not going to engage that question. It's insane. <laughs> Their roster is amazing. I think it's probably Io Shirai, Adam Cole, and Matt Riddle. Those are my three favorites. Okay. Uh, Shayna would be up there, though. If I had to cut Matt Riddle for Shayna, maybe. Um, yeah, or Walter. I, oh, it's Walter. It's so hard. I don't... Okay, so it's Walter, Io Shirai, and Adam Cole. <laughs> it's too hard. That's my final answer. It's too hard. So AEW, um, I think Kenny, Kenny. Omega... Nick, I really like Nick Jackson. I think he's good. Yeah. And Ray Phoenix. Oh would, my gosh, Ray Phoenix would be yeah. my three. I, yeah, I mean that's hard too. It's not as hard as NXT, but I think Kenny is the best. Yeah, because I wasn't even looking. I wasn't even like looking into the tag teams. So, but you're right. I mean, Ray Phoenix is fantastic. Yeah, wild. All right. So, uh, you want to do some more? Sure. So J.C. Strickland wants to know, uh, we sort of covered this, uh, how has traveling with the kids uh, been since the first plane ride earlier this year? Yeah, that was just May. Yeah. Their, their first plane ride ever. And now we've done three. We've done three, three different trips, three different locations. The flight back from Baltimore was even like on some kind of really crappy regional jet where they didn't even have a built-in screen. So it and was, we had lots of turbulence. Um, so they couldn't even do a regular snack, right? Uh, which is like you know the highlight of their. But they actually like the flight. turbulence, and they the, do love and the, the turbulence, and they like the landing, and, yes. and the stuff that makes most people nervous is their favorite part. Yeah, they don't. 
that um, doesn't make them nervous at all. It's like a ride, like an amusement park ride. Yeah, they them. treat the whole experience like we are that we are taking them on a ride. Yeah, just like every Uber, every little um, the little train in the airport that takes you from concourse to concourse. Uh, this trip, they got to ride a real train, an Amtrak train. Yeah, we went on the Amtrak. Yeah, and, and the Metro. And the Metro. Oh my God, the young my the, our youngest was just like acting like the Metro. Oh my God, was he like, thought the Metro was the greatest thing all ever. All the people and the shaking. And the giant escalators. Oh wow. He's a big fan of escalators. So yeah, it was a big time. Yeah, but um, I would say, but what you've forgotten in terms of like uh, evolving in our travels and wrestling shows is that this is the first show. Where they didn't need the culture wreck truck. Oh, wow. That's right. The yeah. culture city truck. I don't know why I call them that because that's what their Twitter name looks like. <laughs> but the culture city truck, like nobody asked for it. The oldest uh, sat. He didn't go to the bathroom. He didn't get up for concessions. He didn't get up for anything. The whole like four, four, four hours and 45 minutes that we were there, uh, he just sat there the whole time. Like... N- didn't need anything, wasn't bothered by anything, um, just rode the whole thing out. So yeah, it was. Uh, it's pretty crazy. It's it's definitely been an evolution, and uh, this you know fly in to take a trip and watch wrestling with mom and dad seems to be something that they really enjoy. Good. All right. So last question, uh, Matt Malapai wants to know if there was a pro wrestling thirty under thirty list. Who do you think would be on it, and why is Darby Allen definitely the number one on this hypothetical <laughs> list? So obviously we're not gonna because I'm tired. No, I'm not doing. I'm 30. not doing thirty, but maybe for another project. That's well, I a good will idea. say that after he wrote, after Matt Malapai sent us this question, uh, he then watched uh, MJF come out on Dynamite and and cut the promo with yes, he Chris Jericho and immediately changed his uh got pushed down the list question to down the 30 for right, 30 list moving Maxwell up the up the list um but I'm gonna be honest because if I'm making a list of the best wrestlers under 30 uh, you know neither one of those is my number one yeah I was I, I was trying to like rack my brain over who you were gonna have um uh, my number one is Jay White yeah, I, I love that choice. I think Jay White may be one of the best wrestlers in the world right now. And he's like just turned 27. So, yeah, I mean, that's my personal opinion. Um, and, of course, MJF is up there. Um, Darby Allen, I think, is going to be something special. Like, I, th- I you know, he's, he's still developing. We're still getting to know him. Uh, but I, I think he's he's developing um, nicely. We discussed not too long ago, a couple podcasts ago, the Velveteen Dream is like, what, 24, 25, something crazy like that? Yeah, I think he has the potential to be the biggest one of them all. Um, so, yeah, the, the future is definitely bright. Uh, I, I love Jay White, too. I think in, among the ones that we've talked about, he's the, the finished product right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, he may continue to get better, right. but right now he's the most polished, ready for primetime uh, performer. He he's a great in-ring wrestler. He can work the very complicated New Japan main event style. He's fitting in on that style, mm-hmm. and and even like uh, taking it in slightly different directions, which is really the sign of someone who's who's really good. Is they're right. not just 
they're not just inserted into Okada's match or whatever. Right. They're bringing something unique to it, and that's what Jay White's doing, while also being the most interesting promo, I think, at, at least outside of AEW in, in, in all of wrestling. Yeah, I love his promos. Like, I, he just yeah, it just gets me every time. Like, I, I, I just... I'm, I'm amazed. Like, he can take feuds during a tour when you think, like, he's not really going to have much to do or this isn't a big deal. And he can just make me care so much. <laughs> so I think the potential for MJF is really there. Yeah. I think that uh, where he's beneath Jay White is, well, in two areas. One is in the ring. I think Jay White is significantly more developed. Yes. Part of that is I don't think Max has the reps. He hasn't had the opportunities to work with the the, the very best talent. Yeah, I agree. In one on one matches, so that that may come. I I, th- I'm, I think he's he shows promising athletic skills, so uh, I think it's possible. And then number two, I think is that uh, MJF is a, a very broad character, a little maybe a little bit too over the top mm-hmm. to be. Um, a truly great heel. He's always going to be a wink, wink heel. Right. At least for right now. Yes. Whereas like uh, Jay White is exuding a different kind of negative energy. Right. In which we're, um, I think it's more likely that you actually hate Jay White and want to <laughs> see someone beat him up. Like the old school wrestling style heel. Right. As opposed to MJF is basically, you know, he's winking at the audience in some ways. He's going to have to find a way to... Do some of that while also making them genuinely dislike him. Right. So, um, or, or maybe he doesn't. Maybe the contemporary business doesn't require that, and he can immediately uh, morph into a Chris Jericho-style heel, where, like, everyone loves you, but also, like, he knows how to make you boo him. And so, um, I don't know. I've never actually seen MJF in a true sort of main event like like an like an AEW style main event type match before um so I'm actually kind of curious I'm not really sure where he is right now yeah he definitely works a different style than than your typical indie wrestler so um I think that can be good Cody has shown that can be good like you can kind of right that that'll help you stand out when everyone else is doing all the same moves in the same manner at the same rhythm. You're different. I think that's a, a big thing for him potentially, but you're right that we've mostly seen him in like, uh, for us in MLW mm-hmm. where I, as much as I like MLW, it's uh, typically the home of like a 10 minute match right? and not like your big 30 minute main exactly. event match. And so, uh, it's a big test for max. Right. And, uh, and, um, I'm confident in him. Just watching him develop over the last year, I, you know, he'll put in the work to do to do well. He's smart. He's a big wrestling fan. Uh, I know, having talked to him, um, he's studying the right people. I think he's going to be good. All right. Okay, next week, um, New you Japan. S- you say next week, and everyone scoffs. I didn't mean next week for the podcast. I just meant next week in wrestling maybe no i'm not gonna be here next week you're not gonna be here you're off again Uh, okay yep work 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 but um new japan starts their tag league um not one of my favorite tours but i mean it's always interesting enough Uh, they've brought in pretty much no one so um yeah it it wasn't it's not a super super um exhilarating roster 
Um, but there's a couple of teams on there that I enjoyed last year. So, um, and it's New Japan. So, I mean, it's at least always still enjoyable, even if it's not like their best work. Um, and then not this Saturday, but next Saturday, we've got an NXT takeover show. Yeah, the War Games. And then the Survivor Series that will include SmackDown Raw and NXT Superstars. Yeah, so it's unusual for me to be genuinely enthusiastic about WWE. Like, normally it kind of feels like just uh, something you have to do. Mm -hmm. But um, this is something different. And so I, I, I am curious to see how they mix in the NXT people and, and, and how that's going to go. Yeah, I you know, I'm it's... They have made... Um, a lot of these high-level NXT folks look really, really good so far in in the you know in the cross promotion that they've been doing. So I'm I am kind of curious to see like what how they're going to book this uh, when it comes time for Survivor Series. Like you know because it's NXT, because it's thought of as developmental. You know I feared that it would be like a whole promotion of young lions <laughs> and nobody would win anything and right. nobody would look great. And, um, they, you know, they get stomped by the main roster folks. Um, but they haven't really been playing it that way. So I'm just curious to see how they're going to, what direction they're going to take it in with survivor series. And, and I don't want to like overstate this, but I think that you can possibly tell a lot about, um, their confidence in the future with NXT based on how this is booked. Right. If they're saying to themselves, like, oh, this didn't work, the audience isn't going to grow here, this was mm -hmm. a failure, right. then you'll see them do a lot of jobs and look weak. Well, even, like, because I was even considering maybe it won't be a lot of jobs and look weak. Maybe it will be a, a handful of people who do really well and then go up to the main roster. And that, I think, is the same message. Yeah, that, which that's is that just we're, as bad. Right. Or we're worse. not... We're betting on these people, but we're not betting on NXT. Right. But if they have, if the NXT ratings are acceptable to them or they think they can grow, um, maybe you continue to make them look strong and, and try to convince some of the viewers of Raw and SmackDown to also tune in Wednesday nights. Right. And so um, I think you, you can learn a lot about how WWE sees things based on what happens at Survivor Series and then in the month following. All right. Well, it'll be a couple weeks before we can get back together and do another podcast, but I'll be looking forward to it. All right. It should be fun.